Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The following program is a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcast Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com to learn more about this and our other weekly storytelling programs. And become a patron today to show your support and get instant access to our extensive archive of downloadable ad-free tales of terror. Thank you for listening, and enjoy the show. If darkness is what you're after, seek no more your searches through. You haven't found the darkness, Traveler. The darkness has found you. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 11. I'm your host, Jason Hill, and I'm thrilled you could join me tonight. It really made me smile to see how much people enjoyed the Lovecraft reading last week, and for those of whom I speak, I've got good news. Lovecraftmas will continue next week with The Color Out of Space. For tonight, something a little different, though very much in keeping with the jolly spirit of Lovecraftmas. Our story tonight comes from Horror Hill newcomer William Grabowski, and is as poetic as it is frightening. You can trust me when I say that this one will be a feast for your mind's eye. It's definitely a little shorter than what we've been featuring lately, but more than makes up for it in sheer imagination. So stay tuned. You're listening to the standard edition of this program. If you'd like to show your support and enjoy ad-free versions of this and all our other episodes, as well as hundreds of tales from our audio archives dating back to 2012, visit simplyscarypodcast.com and click patrons at the upper menu to sign up today to get instant access from our friends at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. Thank you for your support. Now, allow me to escort you to a place where the sun dies and nightmares come to life. Welcome, listener, to the Horror Hill. You haven't found the darkness, and the darkness has found you. And now... Without further ado, from author William Grabowski, I give you Out Hunting for Teeth. That which is done out of love always takes place beyond good and evil. 
Friedrich Nietzsche. These weren't like the old days, Gerfastelak mused. No. In this black age, nothing like that piece could be found. They had pain birds now. Killing birds. Great, screaming, swooping demons that raked the sky and shat fire. Rattled the bones brittling across the cave's floor. These death birds were not all they had. One bright morning, while gathering food for he and his lover, Moazareth, Jerfastelak had idled a few moments, sprawled among yellow bursts of primrose. A cool, flower breeze washed over the hill. Suddenly, the sky caught fire. A second sun rose and blossomed into a blazing mushroom. The earth shuddered, then rumbled as if about to open and swallow its children. The flash blinded Jerfastelak. Wild terror surged through him. When sight and stability returned, he saw a horror. Below the hill on which he stood, far away from the yellow flowers, the colony of the Ugly Ones burned. From this vantage point, Jerfastelak was spared nothing. Could see the colony lay flat, twisted, and unrecognizable save for one tall structure near the river. Scattered fires raged, cries of the maimed, the dying, could be heard borne upon the burning wind. At that moment, two wishes choked Jerfastelak's heart. I wish these visions, these sounds did not exist, and I wish to forget them. Moazareth, upon hearing the tale of annihilation from her lover, sank into sorrow. Nothing Jerfastelak did could lift from her this dark veil. The crushing of rodents went unnoticed. Seven carapace-cracking dyes from the tallest cliff barely took her attention off the lazy arc of a falling leaf. Levitating Moazareth into the air merely lulled her into fitful slumber. She hardly paid his antics any attention, not even when Jerfastelak raised a pincer, punched into his abdomen, and drizzled the molten gold that pulsed inside over a scuttling hermit crab. So profound was Moazareth's anguish she refused even to wear the gilded gift around her neck. Despite the considerable difficulty Jerfastelak endured trapping the squid, hostile and slippery, whose entrails he braided into a string for the plated crab. Was there no way to cheer her? Had Jerfastelak's news of the devastation been solely responsible for his lover's distress? Leaving Moazareth cloaked in sorrow, he went searching for some remedy that might restore her. Sad and alone, Ushiro Funakashi climbed the steep trail that cut through the land above his secluded cottage in Kamuriyama. Ushiro had fled the bleak horrors of war and spent each morning running toward the sky in green silence, exhaling the stink of his past. In these hills, along this twisting secret path, he hoped to sweeten the bitterness poisoning his heart. Fill the void in his days once occupied by his father. Tadashi Funakoshi, strong as the bamboo and pine around the family home, had given himself to the rising sun as a pilot in the suicide force known as the Divine Wind. He died the noble Kamikaze death. <laughs> what was noble about it? Kamikaze. Divine Wind indeed. 
father was dead. Lachere was photographs of him possessed in their abandonment a weird dignity, at once iconic and mocking, unbearable. The Americans and their atomic bombs had drained the spirit from Japan. No divine wind ever imagined could have extinguished those infernos. Ushiro rounded a weedy bend, sensed something deep in the forest pacing him. He stopped, heart hammering his ribs. He listened. From the undergrowth leapt a pair of chirping crickets. Oh! Ushiro cried and laughed. They hopped across the path, flitted in the dense ferns. He stepped into the dark woods. Here, among fern and flower, was a small pool. The waters emanated a fragrance of drowned lilies, and Ashiro counted nine in the bottom, white stars set in green. The praying mantis clicked across his sandals, but Ashiro stood still as the pool. The exotic insect had as much right to live as he. Perhaps more. At least you, stick legs, take life only when you hunger. Or in self-defense. As if reading his mind, the mantis deftly snatched a cricket from the pool's edge and, with a crack, pinched off its head. Ushiro shuddered, beheld his pale reflection in the pool. Rain began to fall, spatting ceaseless circles. The young man's image shivered and blurred. A downpour ensued. Leaves wept. Behind Ushiro, a twig snapped. He pulled his gaze from the pool. Great bushy. Whether what towered above him was dragon, hummingbird, or beetle, Ushiro could not decide. The sight of it stopped his breath and sense. This must be Furio, a reminder of the imperfection in perfection. Or, something whispered in Ushiro's heart, was it just the opposite? Bending at one scarlet joint, the Furio bowed its gold-green head and with some effort drank the pool. Delicately it raised itself, steam sighed from lemon mandibles, and it was not without awe that Ushiro beheld those unblinking eyes of emerald glittering in the rain like two fantastic jewels. The Furio gazed down in judgment, fixed the man in place with those mesmerizing discs, Ushiro's terror abated. Tranquility bloomed. With this came a flood of images. Father leaving for war. Mother not weeping until that night. Alone in the bedroom. Lightning at dawn. A violent fork stabbing the sea. Doves scattering from the eaves of a dead temple. The drunken painter in Kyoto, splashing snow, cherry, cobalt, orange, lime. The Shiro seated in the overheated schoolroom, his shoes too tight. The Shiro's last thought, before this perfection ended him, howled like a winter tempest. Great Bushi, thousand-year-old samurai, I go with you to join my father. Jerfastalak wandered the solemn pines for days. Light and dark went unnoticed beneath his attention. Soon, thirst would kill him, but his olfactory lobes detected water. Thirst, though, was a minor concern compared to his pulsing dread. What if no way could be found to deliver Moezerith from her misery? 
Should she perish, there would follow nothing but blackness and solitude, for where did others of her kind exist? Jerfastelak concluded that life without his lover would be unbearable. If she died, he would engineer his own demise rather than live in desolation, sentenced for eternity to the prison of loneliness. There, straight ahead to the water, something approached. Plip-plop, plip-plop, plip-plop. From the sound, a sizable creature, fleeing some beast larger still, dashing toward water. Ahead, shards of sunlight cut through trees. A clearing. Jerfastelak quickened his step, careful not to cause a stir. Fat raindrops began falling. In seconds, dark clouds dumped water in torrents, pummeled the ferns. Green saplings nodded as though confirming Jerfastelak's plight, but the rain could not mask the ever-rising scent. Their scent. This was not strong. Probably just one of them. Hardly a threat. Never had Jerfastelak stood near an ugly one, so curiosity ruled his behavior as much as thirst. He broke through the undergrowth. Here was a quiet pool. The ugly one glanced up, its face pale and moist. How tiny are you? Jerfastelak thought. The other appeared impossibly soft and fragile, face revealing every nuance of emotion. Could such a being actually slaughter its own kind? Jerfastelak drew closer. Fright quivered the flesh of the ugly one who, after all, really was not so ugly. It fears me. I must not cause fear. Must not trouble this one. What if the tiny creature led others to the pool? Jerfastelak ended this possibility by bending nearly in two and drinking the pool. Ah. Life. Relief. Soothing cold. The ugly one stood solemn. Jerfastelak stretched across the empty pool. I shall console you. He grasped the creature by its neck. No, no. Do not struggle. Do not fear. Shrilled Jerfastelak, unaware that his voice, to the limited hearing of the other, shrieked unintelligibly. Jerfastelak's hold weakened and in his haste to regain it, clenched his pincher, severing the head of the ugly one, when he had meant only comfort. The head spun through rainy air, spewing blood and smashing against a rock, cracking open and flinging bits of grey, white and red across the ground. Oh, what have I done? Warm shards oozed over Jerfastelak's clawed feet. I have ended it. Then he saw tiny white bones scattered through the moss. Fascinated, he dropped the leaking corpse into the weeds, stooped, and plucked several bones from the springy moss. Beauty. There is beauty and perfection in these. One bone, incredible, bore a gold plug or seal. How had this creature procured blood from one such as Drafastalak? What secrets might have we shared had I not ended you? Into his mouth went the bones, mandibles clacked shut. Powerful digestive acids flooded the orifice, dissolving the ugly one's teeth, gold mingling with that of Jafastalak's circulatory system. After a few moments, there came a strange elation. Energy, 
unlike any before, thrummed through his limbs. The white bones must possess curative effects. Perhaps these should be fed to Moazareth. Hope. Hope. Sudden pain spiked his thorax. With a pincher, he punctured his shell, probed, and located the irritant. Wrenching it free revealed a malleable white mass larger far than the original bones ingested. Some strange alchemy must have occurred between them and their takers' digestives, but Jerfastalak would not be intimidated. Curious, he played with and molded the warm blob. This conjured a memory. Once, while cooling off in a rushing river, he had scooped clay from the weedy bed. Moazareth had taken this and, with skilled, sensitive pinchers and mind sight, sculpted it into a likeness of her lover. Could this material be likewise formed? Already it grew firm. He must hurry. Racing the mass with a pincher, he took the other and squeezed, scraped, stippled, and pulled. Mind sight added further detail. An inspired burst of activity created the figure of a hopping croaker, an albino with eyes golden and bulging. This must be good. Must be. This episode of Horror Hill is proudly brought to you by Shudder. I love Shudder. That's it. I just love Shudder. Shudder is the entertainment equivalent of the friend who will help you move. Whenever all the other ones with all their vast libraries of content have absolutely nothing I'm interested in, Shudder's there. And it's always got something. As the world's premier streaming service for horror, thriller, and supernatural content, Shudder is spooky 24-7 365 days a year. When I get depressed because Halloween's over, which I totally still do, eh, Christmas and Thanksgiving, uh, uh, but Shudder, Shudder has what I need, and the scares just keep on trucking. So sign up for Shudder to get access to the largest collection of acclaimed horror movies and series streamed right to your favorite devices, including new stuff added this season like the Creepshow animated special, a Shudder original series, Leap of Faith, William Friedkin on The Exorcist, that's already out, Blood Vessel, the visually striking sci-fi horror series that you have to see to believe, oh yeah, Scare Me! Exclamation point, Starring Josh Rubin, Aya Cash, and Chris Red, yeah, and the Mario Bava collection. You want to prove you're a true horror fan? You gotta go Italian, baby. That's available now, too. You can stream great thrillers, horror, and suspense for only $5.99 a month or $56.99 a year. Shudder has the largest, fastest-growing, human-curated selection of thrilling and dangerous entertainment and is considered by many to be the Netflix of horror. With a unique collection of exclusive and original films and series, horror classics, and blockbuster hits that you'll have unlimited access to stream ad-free on all your favorite devices including your iPhone, your iPad, your Apple TV, your Xbox One, your Amazon Fire, need I go on, also the Roku, Google Chromecast, and Android devices. You like good old-fashioned Vincent Price-style scary story collections? Well, try the Mortuary Collection. I watched it over Halloween, and I watched it again last weekend to get my post-Halloween fix, because I'm Jones and baby, and that movie has Clancy Brown 
for miles. One of my favorites. Also, a movie I've mentioned before, the Richard Stanley adaptation of The Color Out of Space, starring Nicolas Cage. A story we'll be reading next week, so you'll get a little Horror Hill double feature there. That movie is awesome, and I can't say enough good things about it. So what are you waiting for? Get started streaming the best horror, thriller, and supernatural content. Shudder's expertly curated collection includes titles like the acclaimed Tigers Are Not Afraid, One Cut of the Dead, Revenge, and the Creepshow TV series produced by Greg Nicotero and based on the famous films of George Romero. To try Shudder free for 30 days, go to Shudder.com and use the promo code HILL. That's Shudder, S-H-U-D-D-E-R, promo code HILL. Thank you for your support of this program and of the sponsors that make it possible. Apartments.com has more pet-friendly rental listings than anywhere else. So, finding the perfect place is easier than ever, and so is finally moving in together. Just the two of you. It's a big step. Lots of new responsibilities. Lots of adjustments. Most likely, they'll wake you up at odd hours to go to the bathroom, and you'll most definitely find yourself in trouble coming home late for dinner. They might even unroll all your toilet paper next time. It's just what happens when you two find a new place together, but you're not doing it because you feel like it. No, you're doing it because you love them, because they're family. And that's why Apartments.com has the most pet-friendly rental listings on the internet so that you and your furry family can find the perfect new place together. Apartments.com, the place to find a pet-friendly place. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The headless body of Ushiro Funakoshi lay undiscovered for months until one autumn night, when the crickets creaked and the moon daubed his bones with its luminous brush. A spider crept onto them, spun a chaotic web between two ribs, and, where once pulsed a young man's heart, assumed its silent sentinel, glittering in moon glow like a jet crystal. If Ushiro's starving ghost haunted the place of his death, and did not disturb one thread of the spider's net. Drifastalak saw his lover lay dying and shrilled her name. Every bird, beast, and insect fled that unearthly howl. He stood over her, offered the white figure. Eat this, Moazareth. You must. 
Weakly, she opened her mandibles, eyes brightening, but for a moment she recognized what the object represented. Her lover fed her the albino croaker. With an effort, Moazareth broke down the hard enamel. She shuddered, vibrated her thorax. What charms does this conceal? Trefastelac leaned close. I do not know, but it filled me with the breath of youth. Gazing into the twin gems of her eyes, he could see fiery life. Would she live? Thrive as before? Moazareth, after absorbing the figure, produced no precipitate. Her lover reasoned that his own caustics must have greatly weakened whatever catalyst activated the process. What else could account for this? Two sunfalls passed during which Moazareth shone floridly in good health. On the third, as twilight spilled deep blue into the cave, her robust demeanor dwindled, then wholly failed. Alerted by her hollow tone, Jerfastalak knew something was terribly wrong. The white... croaker, she managed. Bring me more. Bring me many. Creeping shadows settled over her like a shroud of doom. Embracing her, Jerfastalak again tasted the dread of solitude. Moazareth, of course, did not know where the albino croaker originated, nor what her lover had done to obtain its ingredients. Jerfastalak, as strongly as he loathed to repeat the act, feared more losing his beloved to the black waters of the River of Death. Lover, she pleaded. Hurry. Her golden tongue traced Jerfastalak's plated throat, easing her onto the cool cave floor. He determined to hunt day and night, gather so copious a cache of bones he need never leave Moazareth's beauty again. Any pain, any horror was preferable to a life barren and loveless. He must hurry, go out into the world and collect what must be collected. Any living thing that dare stand in his path would know the face of death. Here rose a hill, a view, a special place. The bleak hunter surveyed the province of the dead. Would not there be a nearly limitless supply of the tiny bones here, free to harvest? Jerfastalak ascertained he was not being watched and climbed down from his perch. Beneath purple twilight, the burial ground stood stark and silent. Trees twisted and black clawed at the moon's silver scythe. At the heart of this necropolis, a tall light post ticked with moths. Honey-sweet whiffs of paraffin and incense lingered in the air, phantoms of some recent ritual. The hunter moved among ranked stone monuments, some taller than he. Any grave would suffice. There came a sensation, as nameless as it was novel. Ushiro Funokoshi, were he alive and not suffocating in the endless night of transmigration, might have called this awe. The hunter had never seen another of his kind in death. All he knew of his and Moazareth's existence was that both were immensely old. Of their origins he knew nothing. He paused before a bulky grey monument which bore the chiseled likeness of an ugly one. Slanted eyes, long mournful expression, as that the face might slide from the stone like shadow crossing water. Below this, rows of sharp etchings like marching insects. From this grave, the hunter absorbed an aura of violence, hatred, 
and betrayal. Did this originate with its attendants or the occupant? At once there bloomed a vision, a solitary figure, perched on the edge of a chasm boiling with crimson mist. Above this the sun towed a flaming raft of clouds. The figure cried out, jumped into the abyss. Whoever lay below in black silence was not mourned. Drafastalak bowed to the earth, extended his pincers, spread the lemon blades of his mandibles, and scored the soil. At first its dead solidity resisted, but soon the exhumation was finished. The hunter's pincers scraped against something harder than the musty dark earth. He straightened to his full height of thirteen feet and drew huge breaths from the gloom. Finally, braced about the grave's periphery by four of his spiky limbs, he reached into the pit and gripped the coffin. Slowly, he raised it toward dying twilight, brasswork gleaming beneath the moon's cold face. Brighter stars jeweled the sky, indifferent suns flaring nothingness. The hunter rested his prize on the ground and, with a violent stroke, smashed its lid into long splinters. Offended by the strong odor, Drefastalak's olfactory lobes twitched. The corpse's flesh shone pale green, patched here and there with gray rot and shiny with moisture. The hunter lifted the body from its seclusion, eased it onto dewy grass. Death lent the face a composure both stern and tragic as though this ugly one's sleep stirred still with dreams of ruined empires, of love lost. The hunter touched the flesh. Its taut chill unsettled him, and for the first time, he wondered what life as an ugly one might be like. What terrors, what hopes, what joys... With a delicacy belying his size, the hunter prized apart the corpse's jaws, took the flat sides of both pinchers, and clamped the skull, squeezing until, with a loud report, it split like a rotten log. Thick, putrid fluid welled up, unanchored teeth were gathered, others pried from dry sockets. Abruptly, the hunter sampled one. Rage blazed. Useless. These bones were useless. Dead. All traces of life force gone. Waste. My struggle and sorrow futile. Dead. Dead. In his fury, the hunter walloped the gravestone, smashing it into jagged pieces. Headless with despair, he turned from the pit and shambled toward the looming hills. Though unaware, the hunter blend droplets of molten gold from a fissure in his carapace. After a few moments, these cooled in dewy grass. Perhaps on the morrow some mortar, sad and starved, might gather them, follow their trail to the desecrated grave, and wonder, with drumming heart and wide eyes, why some terrible goblin had felt compassion enough to scatter such riches along this path of misery. This episode of Horror Hill is proudly brought to you by BetterHelp. Let's face it, the world is asking a lot of us these days. No matter what happens, no matter what bad news comes in, no matter what coping skill we can't execute because we're stuck at home all day, we are forced to just grin and bear it 
during the coldest, darkest time of year, without any family gatherings, without any superhero movies, yet. Oh god, please don't push Wonder Woman to the summer. Ugh. And of course, always having to dress like a ninja to go anywhere. And that's of course on top of all the other standard issues with the human condition. You might need someone to talk to besides your dog. Even if he's a good boy. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. <clears throat> That's why I'm very happy to talk to you about BetterHelp. BetterHelp is there for you when there's something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist that you can start communicating with in under 48 hours. BetterHelp is not a crisis line and it's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online with a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas, and BetterHelp services clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. And anyone with any experience seeking therapy knows that not everyone is a good match. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. And the winter of our discontent is just getting started, so why wait? Visit BetterHelp.com hill. That's better, H-E-L-P, and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. So don't wait. Start feeling better with a special offer for Horror Hill listeners. You'll get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com hill. One more time, that's 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash hill. Thank you for your support of this program and of the sponsors that make it possible. Dawn. The sun sailed above the horizon like a blob of molten bronze. The sky blushed a marriage of rose and flame. From his concealment, the hunter regarded this vista with anticipatory calm. Only the jewels of his eyes broke the mirrored surface of the pond in which he lay. Now and then, dragonflies and rainbow wings lit upon them, hummed and buzzed and clicked, before taking to the air once more. Not far from the pond stood a fence of cross-hatched steel, the top adorned with razored loops of barbed wire. Beyond this stretched black runways seemingly endless, blurred by heat shimmer. As the hunter watched, a silver skyraker raced toward him, gaining speed with each moment, then nosed sharply into crisp morning air. The thing whined over the pond and headed for sunrise. The hunter rose dripping, locked his emerald gaze, and, focusing his mind sight, pulled the aircraft from the sky. With great velocity it plunged earthward, Engines screaming their torment, sunlight flashed across a row of windows. An instant before impact, fifty-two minds wailed their common doom, piercing the hunter's resolve and nearly undoing him. The ground shuddered with the crash. 
The aircraft plowed through a thousand feet of tall grass, shrieking, crumbling, scattering a fiery litter of metal, plastic, and people. Heat wavering from hissing fires did not deter the hunter, for the gold of his very blood burned hotter far. He must hurry, harvest what he came for lest the ugly one spot him. Quickly, quickly. Hooked by a mangled engine cowling, the armless torso, and the head of an ugly one smoldered. The rest of him must be lost among the widely strewn wreckage. The hunter loomed over his prey, bent at his scarlet abdomen, and pried open the broken mouth, deftly extracting those bones intact enough for use. These he deposited into his own mouth for storage. Farther along the path of burning debris, he found his fortune. Here was a fantastic union of bodies. Two females, locked in an embrace, squashed onto them an obese male whose open back revealed layers of yellow fat, shattered bone, and the head of one of the females. Fused by flame into a single entity, the threesome became, in death, more intimate than any fevered fantasy in life. Although he did not care for the stench of this collage, the hunter carried out his duty. Finally, heading back toward the pond, his path lay hindered by a melting seat. Still strapped in, an ugly one burned. Little more than blackened bone, smoking hair and gristle, it screamed at the sight of death's angel. Shock surged through the hunter, but he soon regained focus and emptied the smoldering skull of its fare. He continued collections for a few minutes when the eerie wail of rescue sirens drove him to escape. Mouth heavy with teeth taken from the newly dead, the hunter made for the hills. Ghosts of annihilation wailed from the field of wreckage. With each stride of his insect legs, the hunter's mouth rattled its catch, as if hail battered the inner surface of his skull. It tasted strange. That music... Moazareth lay unconscious. Jerfastalak parted his lover's mandibles and dropped the tiny bones into her mouth. She cooed softly, acknowledged his presence. All at once she convulsed. Swallow them, Jerfastalak demanded. No good. She was choking. With a pincher, Jerfastalak probed into her, unseated the mass, and consumed it. Moazareth gave a feeble wheeze. Caustic juices welled into her lover's mouth to liquefy its morsels. Immediately, he felt the pulsing fullness in his thorax. Punching through his carapace, he extracted the white glob, spattered the cave in a rain of burning gold, a shower that would end any other creature. Smoke swirled like morning mist. Left with no alternative, Jerfastalek force-fed his lover, shrilling all the while. Please, please, please. A clacking as of submerged seashells sounded inside Moazareth. She rose, extending eight green spiked limbs, carapace flushed with the iridescent gold of health. My Moazareth, Trefastalak embraced her, their golden tongues twined, untwined when Moazareth gently released from her lover's heat. I doubted your return, she shrilled, but you've shown me the folly of such thoughts. 
Jerfastalak surged with guilt over his recent musings, his abominable self-pity. His gaze met hers, and he saw there a violent beauty. The hunter's heart boomed. Around Moazareth's head formed a brilliant nimbus, nearly unbearable to behold. She levitated until taller than her lover. At that moment, Jerfastalak would gladly have given himself to death. So searing, so erotic was this vision. In the face of beauty, dread is annulled. It is fortunate, shrilled Moazareth, that you have triumphed and returned. I would not relish the task of raising our offspring alone. Dizziness invaded Jerfastalak. All at once, it did not matter that he and Moazareth were alone in the Ugly One's cheerless world. Were they not, by virtue of their very existence, miracles in such a place? One offspring, glorious, pulsed within Moazareth's womb. Would not others follow, fill the emptiness of their days? The ages we have seen, Jerfastalak shrilled and shared. Something must be done to honor those whose lives had been ended so that Moazareth could keep hers. Jerfastalak took in a large quota of bones. After a few moments, he punched into himself, showered hot gold everywhere. Already his carapace began resealing. His lover dripped nuggets, white mass in pincher. He began... The Ugly Ones had not died in vain. For the artistry of their death, angels sculpted a replica of the Skyraker in which they had ended. Prideful, Jerfastalak shrilled, A plaything for our young. You've been listening to Out Hunting for Teeth by William Grabowski. I'd like to personally thank you for joining me for this episode of Horror Hill. Don't forget to tune in again next week when I yet again regale you with a handful of tales to terrify, plumb from the most depraved depths of the human imagination. Out Hunting for Teeth was brought to you courtesy of and written by William Grabowski. William Grabowski is the author of nine books, The Ghostwriter of Moore, most recently, the techno-thriller Infinity Point, media tie-in Castro's Cadillac, adapted from the screenplay by Michael Sales, optioned for film by Cufflink Productions, Amazon bestseller Blacklight, and Traces of Oblivion, a collection of his best short stories including his 2004 novel, The Untold. He's been quoted by NBC2 News, is a popular guest on radio and podcasts, contributing editor with New York City's iconic library journal magazine, and the staff editor at Sinister Grin Press. Five years with World Fantasy Award winner The Horror Show Magazine earned Grabowski a Best Writer nomination from SPWAO for his interviews with best-selling authors Ray Bradbury, Dean Kunst, Clive Barker, Robert Block, Poppy Zebright, Peter Straub, John R. Lansdale, and many others. He is at work on a new novel. William is represented by Gotham Ghostwriters, New York City. From William Grabowski on the origin of Out Hunting for Teeth, 
Out hunting for teeth is proof that I wrote bizarro fiction before it was cool. Way before. In 1986, I'd been reading a lot of Yukio Mishima, and also a lot of Clive Barker, whose books of blood I reviewed for the late David B. Silva's World Fantasy Award-winning The Horror Show magazine. I also was fortunate enough to be one of the first American writers to interview Clive. All of this highly charged, often lurid and shocking stuff reached a flashpoint in my 27-year-old head. I became fascinated with the more horrifying end of Francisco Goya's paintings and had a nightmare after one long exploration of a fat volume of these. Over the years, and many revisions, Teeth had been purchased for two horror anthologies, both of which died on the vine. Its acceptance by Randy Chandler and Cheryl Molyneux for Comet Press's year's best hardcore horror volume 2 anthology proves, I guess, that old Saul. Third time's the charm. If you enjoyed what you've heard on today's program, please take a moment to stop by our iTunes page or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts and leave us a five-star review and a kind word. It makes a huge difference and would mean a lot to me. If you'd like to hear a premium ad-free edition of tonight's and all our other episodes, visit simplyscarypodcast.com today and click the Patrons link in the menu at the top of the screen. You'll find yourself at chillingtalesfordarknights.com, where you could become a patron for as little as $5 per month and get access to our entire audio archive dating back to 2012, including past episodes of this program, all of our other shows, and hundreds of standalone releases, all of them ad-free and available to download or stream. Thanks so much for your time and for giving our sponsors a try today. When you support our sponsors, you help support this show. And that means a lot to me. If you happen to use Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or YouTube, you can follow and subscribe to Chilling Tales for Dark Nights there, where you'll get all of our latest updates and new releases and have the chance to interact with us each and every week. You'll find me personally on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Until next week, listener, when we meet up once again atop the horror hill for yet another dance with darkness, I bid you good night, sleep tight, listener, and whatever you do, if you hear scratching at your door, don't open it. The darkness may have found you, but it's up to you to let it in. <laughs> Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Horror Hill Podcast, a production of Chilling Entertainment and the creative team at Chilling Tales for Dark Nights, and a proud member of the Simply Scary Podcast Network. Visit simplyscarypodcast.com today to learn more about our network and our other amazing storytelling programs. Tonight's program was hosted, and its featured stories performed by, yours truly, Jason Hill. Selected stories have been adapted with the kind permission of their respective authors. Original music provided by Felipe Ojeda, Luke Hodgkinson, and Jesse Cornett. Final mixing and mastering by executive producer and director Craig Groshak. The program's artwork by yours truly, Jason Hill. Logo by Craig Groshak. Got a terrifying tale of your own that you like performed? I take submissions. 
Email it to us today at submissions at simplyscarypodcast.com to have your work considered for production in a future episode of this show. That's submissions at simplyscarypodcast.com. If you enjoyed what you heard on tonight's program and are joining us on your favorite podcast app, subscribe to us to be sure you never miss an episode and leave us a five-star review and a comment. Your feedback means a lot to me. You can also follow Chilling Tales for Dark Nights and yours truly on social media to connect anytime and get the latest updates on this and our other programs. If you're listening on the Chilling Tales for Dark Nights YouTube channel, do us a favor and hit the subscribe button and the bell notification icon for Chilling Tales for Dark Nights as well to get more spooky tales from me and the crew and another episode of this program each and every week. And don't forget to hit the thumbs up button to tell us how we're doing and leave a kind word. And don't forget to visit us at ChillingTalesForDarkNights.com and consider supporting the team by becoming a patron. In addition to helping us out, you'll get exclusive access to our audio archive and ad-free downloads of all your favorite stories, including those you've heard on this program. As for me, I'll be back next week with more terrifying tales to keep you up all night. If darkness is what you're after, listener, your search is over. Yet, let it be known, you haven't found the darkness. The darkness has found you. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.